Amen. All right. Well, kids, again, we are so glad to have you in service here with us today. This is the part of the ser uh, service where I talk for a really long time. So if you would go ahead and grab your Bibles this morning. If you don't know who I am, if you don't know who I am, uh, I am, I am Alan. Um, I am the coolest of the pastors here at Praise Assembly. Can I get an amen? Kids, how many of you think I'm the coolest pastor at Praise Assembly? How many of you think Pastor Caleb's the coolest pastor at Praise Assembly? Okay. Kids, let me walk you through something. It's called logic. Okay. I am Pastor Caleb's boss. Okay. So if you happen to think Pastor Caleb is the coolest pastor at Praise Assembly, or if you think that Pastor Nathan is the coolest pastor at Praise Assembly, let me just say to you, if they are the coolest pastor at Praise Assembly, that makes me the coolest pastor plus one, right? So either I'm the coolest pastor at Praise Assembly, or logically, as their boss, I am the coolest plus one. Either way, I'm good with it, okay? So just take that however you want, run with it um, as part of what we're doing here, kids, what we've been doing is we've been doing a series called uh, Vision and Values at Praise. And what we're doing is so hugely important because we want everybody to be on the same, praise, uh, same page here at Praise. Um, and what I mean by that is, I don't know if you've ever been in school. Have you ever been in school? All right, so if you've ever been in school and, and your teacher's talking about something, and you're looking at the book. Do you guys still do books? Okay, some of you do. Okay, the web page. All right, so you're looking at your computer or your tablet or whatever, and you're looking at that page, and, and you're like, I don't know what this teacher is talking about. And then you look over at your friends, and the page they're on is not the same page as you, and you're like, aha, I'm on the wrong page. And then you get to the right page, and everything makes much more sense. What we're doing is we're trying to make sure that we're all on the same page here at Praise Assembly. And so with having you in here for this fifth Sunday, we were thinking, this is such a hugely important series for us. Hugely important. So we thought, okay, so because of that, do we hold the week and maybe do something a little bit more kid-friendly today? Or do we just dive in? And we decided to just dive in, and here's why. Because this is so important that it should have effects all the way through Praise Assembly. As we're talking about our values as a church, that same page as a church, it should have effects not just in here on Sunday morning, it should have effects on how kids' church is done, how youth is done, how worship is done, how every ministry of this church runs should be affected by our values. So we want to make sure we're all on the same page. So instead, what we're going to do is because of the fact that we don't want to, I mean, these are incredibly deep truths, I believe. So that means that it took the same amount of study same amount of prayer, same amount of weeping over it and asking for the Holy Spirit to lead. And then we had to figure out how to say it to a five-year-old and a 95-year-old. So let's dive in. Grab your Bibles this morning. That's because we value the Word of God. Here's where we've been so far in vision and values. Number one, we started with, and you don't need to know all of these kids. Well, you do, but <laughs> someday. Okay, so where we were. Number one, we started with the fact that the best work moves outward. Number two, substance over style, always. Number three, maturity ever moves. And today, number four, 
This is the one we're going to cover today. We feel truly, deeply. We feel truly, deeply. This is, and, and all of these values I could preach a series on. In fact, I probably will at some point. But for now, we're just going to go as deep as we can. Maybe simple, but hopefully you'll understand that this is a deep, deep truth for us today. Now, kids, if you're taking notes, because you are and your parents may not be, even though that's our value, that's not the name of the sermon. That's not the title. So if you're writing in the name of the title, it is All the Feels. All the Feels. Okay? All right, you got it. Once you have your Bibles, if you would open them up to the book of Psalms, Psalm 100 is where we are going to be today. Psalm 100, if you don't have a Bible, there are some that are spread out throughout the seats. Grab one of those, open it up to Psalm 100. Um, this is our main verse, Psalm 100 today. If you have one of the church Bibles, it should be on page 500. Psalm 100, page 500. If you don't own a Bible, that Bible that's in the seat is actually our gift to you, and we would love for you to take that with you this morning. Psalm 100, here's what it says. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever and is faithfulness to all generations. So I've had a problem in my faith for a while now. And I would call it feelings. And really, if I were to zero in on this, I think it comes down to one word, that I find in the Bible. It's the word love. And here's why I have a problem in my faith. Because many years ago, I heard somebody preach something that has stuck with me. I've heard others preach it as well. And that was essentially this, that when you read the word love in the Bible, that it is a decision, not an emotion. That it is something that you act not something that you feel. And I read that, or I heard that, and I've heard it multiple times since. And every time I hear that, I, I wonder, is that right? Because the, the way that they come to that conclusion is this. If love is a feeling, God could not command it of you right? That God can't command a feeling. Instead, what he does is he commands actions. He commands decisions. And we don't decide to feel. So if we don't decide to feel, then he can't command it. If it's something that just, here's what I mean by this. You don't decide to feel. Say you and I decide we are going to go on a safari to Africa. You have lots of money. You decide, my pastor, I love him. I'm taking him to Africa but you don't have that much money, 
and or you really want to like rough it and you're like, we're not going to be like everybody else who goes on safari. We're not going to stay in a hotel and we're not going to um, uh, ride in cars. Instead, we're going to really, really rough it. We're going to sleep under the stars, not even have a tent. We're going to sleep in a sleeping bag and, and every night we're going to look up at the stars. We'll sleep in the sleeping bag. We'll wake up in the morning and continue on our safari. So say that first night, we're sitting around the fire and we sing Kumbaya, we climb into our sleeping bags and, and we, we eventually go off to sleep after telling scary stories all night. And you sleep wonderfully. And you wake up in the morning as the sun's coming over the horizon and you can feel the heat on the, <laughs> the, heat on the side of your face. And you can see a little light out of the corner of your eye. And so you stretch and you yawn. And you open your eyes. And there at the foot of your sleeping bag is a hungry lion. He's drooling. Not a happy lion. Not like Aslan lion. I mean, he's licking his chops as he's looking at you. He thinks you're a Twinkie in that sleeping bag. It's like nice, chewy center. Let me tell you what does not happen at that moment. You do not stop and think, oh, a lion. You know, I just read something really very interesting about lions. I read that lions eat anything. And I am anything. That lion wants to eat me. I should probably be afraid right now. Okay, I decide to be afraid. Push the button under feels for fear. Click. I'm afraid. No, that's not the way it works. You see the lion at the foot of your sleeping bag and you are afraid. See, see feelings tend to arrive on the scene before our thoughts do. Right? Like we don't decide to feel something. Feelings arrive first. It's like feelings go at the speed of light. And our thoughts are kind of like the speed of me in the morning before I get coffee. Right? Like I'll make it there eventually, but I, it'll take a while. And I probably won't make a lot of sense. Right? Like that's the way things work. And that's the way God designed us. He designed us where our feelings outpace even our thoughts and our decisions. So you don't decide to feel. And that's a true statement. So if that's the case then, how could God command our feelings? So then, love when we see it cannot be a feeling. Instead, it must be a decision. It must be an action. This is how this thought goes. But when I hear that, all along something has smelled off. It's like a carton of milk that on the outside, the expiration date says it's still in the future, and boy, this should be good milk. But when you crack it open and you see, hey, honey, try this. You know what I'm saying? Like, something just smells off with it. And for years, I couldn't figure out what it was that smelled off, but now I know. 
Because there's something that smells off about a dad who just goes through the motions with his children. You know that's not love. It is not just action. Because a husband who just acts like he loves his wife, that is not love. If there is no affection, if there is no emotion, if there is no feeling, then it's not truly love. We know that. We inherently know it in that situation. So we smell it when we read it and we go, okay, wait a second. It doesn't work there. And here's the other thing. God can command our emotions. Okay? You might ask, well, how can God command our emotions? If I don't decide to feel, how can he command me what to feel? Well, that's a really good question. Go ahead and pat yourself on the back. <laughs> good question. Great, great, great. Good job. Good job. Let me start with this. He does it, and he does it all through Scripture. All through Scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. He commands you how to be glad. In Luke chapter 12, verse 5, he commands you what to fear and what not to fear. He commands you not to be worried in Matthew chapter 6. And he commands you uh, 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 to grieve and to mourn in James chapter 4, verse 9. And he commands you what to hate in Psalm 97, verse 10. All through scriptures, he commands your emotions. Now, wait a second. How can God command me to do something that I cannot do? How can God command me to do something that's impossible for me to decide to do it? That's unfair. And to that, I would say this. Whoever gave you the ridiculous notion that your faith would be fair? In fact, kids, I want to give your parents a tool right now. And this is a tool that Liz's father used on her when she would say to her dad, Dad, that's not fair. He would respond, and parents, I give you all permission the next time your kids say this is not fair, to respond this way. Well, if life were fair, you would be working in a toothpick factory in China. Okay? Here's a tool for you. Over and over and over and say it. Your kids will love it, and they'll respond to it. <laughs> Life isn't fair. And guess what? Your faith isn't fair either. And here's what I mean by that. Um, uh, I want to encourage you in it, but your faith is not fair. But where it is unfair, it is almost always unfair in your favor. God commands you to do something that you cannot do. And he is totally right to do that. If you don't believe me, when Jesus commanded Lazarus to come forth, was it possible for Lazarus to come forth? Absolutely not. He was dead. There are very few things that it was possible for Lazarus to do. He was dead. But when God commands something that is impossible for you to do, 
he also gives you the power to do it. Grasp that thought. This is deep. This is thick. It is beautiful. It is gorgeous. One of the earliest church leaders was a guy named St. Augustine. Oh, St. Augustine. I love St. Augustine. St. Augustine was the coolest of the early church leaders. And if he wasn't, he was the coolest plus one. He was like the me of the early church leaders, okay? He was great. I love Augustine. If nothing else, he was like the best at insulting people. Kids, sometimes when your parents aren't around, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what I mean by that. This guy could insult people who took the Bible out of context and said things about Jesus that weren't true. He could insult them better than anybody I know. The best insulter of all of the early church leaders. St. Augustine. He knew this fact. He prayed a prayer. And if you grasp this prayer, kids, I'm telling you right now, this is the kind of thing that will change your life. Here's what St. Augustine prayed. He said, God... Command what you will. Command what you will. You're God. I'm not. You command whatever you will, and you are right to do whatever you command. And then he said, and give what you command. Command what you will, and give what you command. This is a beautiful picture of how God moves. He calls us to feel. He commands feelings, but then he gives us the power to feel them, okay? Let me walk you through what I mean by this. When he commands us to love, it is real deal. Yes, love is a decision, but if it does not include affection, if it does not include feeling, if it doesn't have emotion as a part of it, then it is not truly love so when he commands us to love our enemies that is real deal not joking love and when he commands us to love our friends that is real deal not joking actually feel it love and when he commands us to love our neighbors that is real deal love them it's not actions only. It is actions that come from a place of emotionally feeling it. And that's impossible for us to do. But God gives it. And this is a beautiful thing to catch. It's a beautiful thing to catch. And if we don't believe that fact, it's earth-shattering. And if we don't accept that he is calling us to truly love, let me tell you what happens. We read passages all through Scripture, and it took me a decade to figure this out. That I would read words like, that our commands make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. And I would read, make a noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord. Because these are commands. And if they're commands, then it just means do what you can. And so then all of the emotions all through Scripture gets washed out. And this book is full of emotions. I guarantee you the original manuscripts were covered in tears. This is an emotional book full of feelings. 
And when we read it, I dare you the next time you read it to pay attention to every word that is an emotion, every word that is a feeling, every word that is an affection, because it's all through Scripture. And he says to us, not just make a noise to the Lord. He says, make a joyful noise. He doesn't say, just serve the Lord. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. These are commands to feel, and he is right to do so. Why? Because he also gives us the power to do it. What I love about Psalm 100, <laughs> this is fantastic, is look at it. He doesn't say, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. <laughs> make it happen. No. What does it say? Well, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. And we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. What is he saying? Know him. And if you know him, in your knowing of Jesus Christ, he will give you those things. You will love him. You will make a joyful noise. You will be glad because you know him. You know he created you. You know you belong to him. You know that he is the shepherd and you are the sheep. And that everything around you is his pasture. And he's protecting you and he's guiding you and he's providing for you. And in that he will woo your heart towards him. This is how our God works. In knowing Christ, he gives us these desires. We feel them truly. So when you read the word love, read the word love. And when you read the word joyful, read the word joyful. We, we've got this messed up idea somehow that Christian maturity means you don't get too high and you don't get too low. That is ridiculous. I've even said that myself to our staff. You have a great Sunday, people get saved, and I'm like, don't get too high. Are you kidding me? Somebody just came into the kingdom of God. Let's get high. In Missouri, not Colorado. Totally different thing. Right? This is something that deserves our joy, deserves our gladness. Let us give it to him. Look at Jesus. He's the perfect person. Look how many times he felt deeply. Read all through the Gospels. I'll give you a couple of them. John eleven thirty three. 33, he was deeply moved. Luke 22, verse 45, he earnestly desired. Matthew 26, verse 38, he was very sorrowful. Luke 10, 21, he was full of joy. These are not steady emotions. These are deep emotions. So let us feel deeply, because Jesus does. So, Pastor Allen, what if the emotions that I'm feeling are not the motions that I'm seeing in Scripture that I'm supposed to be seeing. Oh, this is the beautiful thing. Because God designed you 
and every emotion, good or bad, whether you can identify it as the kind of emotion that you should have or not, every single emotion should drive you into your relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Oh, there's some deep and painful and powerful moments there. What did they do? What did he do with them? He brought them to God. Look at David all through the Psalms. Here is somebody who gets that idea. Did you know that almost two times as many of the songs in Psalms are songs of sorrow and pain than of, of praise and thanksgiving? Why? Because he knew that every emotion should drive him into his relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing him as his shepherd. And then from that, out of it comes the right emotion. True emotions. Not just feeling deeply, feeling truly deeply. In fact, if you read that next verse, I love this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's possible to give thanks and it not be thanksgiving. Unless it comes from here. It's possible to sing without it being singing. It's possible to give praise to God without letting it be praise to God. It is possible for it, us to bless his name without blessing his name has to come from here. And if you don't feel it, and if it's not there, know him more. And may every emotion that you have and every, the full gamut, the full spectrum of your emotions, bring them. There is no emotion that you can have that is too much for Jesus Christ. Bring it to him. And what I love about how he works is then he takes those emotions and he makes them more true. He changes us, not just in our mind, he also changes this part of us too. And what does it mean to have a true emotion? It just means that our emotions are in line with God's emotions. It is possible to love and it to be a wrong emotion if God does not love that thing. And it is possible to not hate and be out of line with God's emotions if God hates that thing. What is true in our emotions is when we line up with him. Here's what I want you to do. The next time you read through the Gospels, read the amount of times where Jesus has an emotional reaction which is the exact opposite of everybody else. Why is that? Because Jesus knows something they don't know, and he values something they don't value. Right? I cannot affect and change my emotions. I cannot do it. It is impossible for me to do. But my emotions drive me into Jesus Christ, and as I know him, he changes them. How does he do that? By changing what I value and changing what I believe here. I can't even change my own heart, but God can do it as I interact with him. As I know him in the power of his resurrection, he changes my values and our emotions spring out of what we believe and what we value. That's why a series on values is so incredibly important. Here's what I mean by that. I decided 
four, five, six years ago that when I'm driving and I see a squirrel run across the road, I'm not going to slow down. It's sprung out of watching that Geico commercial where the squirrel runs across the road, the car veers around him, crashes, and the squirrel goes over to the side of the road and gives high fives to another squirrel. I decide that will never happen with me, right? So every time I see a squirrel, I just grab both sides of the wheel if I'm not already, and I just I hear the voice of Winston Churchill. Keep calm and carry on, or whatever he was. Right? Just going to keep calm. Now, don't get me wrong. I want the squirrel to make it. I really do. And when the squirrel survives, like, there's a little bit of joy in my heart. I'm like, go, little squirrel. I want to pull over and give him a high five. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel that. But I'm not going to slow down for him. Right? Like, I'm just going to... All right, I hope you make it, buddy. And when he doesn't make it, when I hear kathunk, kathunk, I'm like, oh, squirrel. And I feel bad for like 10 seconds. I think about the squirrel. I'm like, oh, squirrel. I wish you had made it. All right. I feel fundamentally different when a dog runs into the road. Because when there's a dog, oh, I know that somewhere there is a child that loves that dog. Somewhere there's a little boy or a little girl who loves that dog. And I personally <laughs> value that dog more than that squirrel. So there's a little bit of fear, and I slow down, and I swerve, and I get out of it. Right? Why? Because I value the dog more than the squirrel. If I see a cat, whether the cat's in the road or if it's in somebody's lawn. I will swerve off of the road into somebody's lawn in order to run over that cat. Can I get an amen? Right? You can tell what I value by how much joy I get running over a cat. And when there's a child that runs in the road, sheer terror. Why? Because I value that child more than anything else. So our emotions come from our values and our beliefs. And so what Jesus does is he changes our values and our beliefs, which changes our emotions. But when you read in Scripture words like joy, he means joy. When you read words like gladness, he means gladness. And when you read love, yes, it is a decision, but it is also an affection. And it is not truly love unless... I, Hebrews 10.24 it is no mistake that it says stir one another up to love and good works. Stir one another up to love 
and good works, two separate things. One motivates the other. Do you think it's interesting that if you take the word emotion, remove the E, you get motion? Or if you take the word emotion, M-O-T, motivate. Why? Because they all come from the same root in Latin. Because emotion is a powerful motivator. If you love, you will go farther. You will climb higher. You will sacrifice more than if you do not. So when it says love, I hate to break it to you, but it means real love. From the inside, love. And when it says here, know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who made us, and we are his, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture, it comes from knowing him. We're going to talk more about that next week. And it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good and his steadfast love. Friends, that's real love. That's not pretend love. That's not going through the motions love. That is steadfast. God felt it and it motivated him. Steadfast love. And his faithfulness is to all generations. Feel truly, feel deeply, because God does. And this is what motivates us in the same way that it motivated God. You want to know how I know it's talking about real love? Because when you read John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved. That is not talking about going through the motions or making a decision. God had real emotion there. He so loved. And what did it motivate him to do? Oh, to give his son for us. Real love, real motivation, then real action. So may we be a church who knows Jesus Christ. I heard somebody say once, I can't even tell you who the quote is from, love, or not a love, emotion is a better gauge than a guide. Emotion is a better gauge than a guide. Don't take your emotions and just follow them wherever they lead you, but pay very close attention to them because they tell you what's going on on the inside. It's like a gauge on your dashboard on your vehicle. How much gas you got. How fast your engine's running. What the oil pressure is. What the tire pressure is. Your emotions are a really great gauge about what's going on inside of your heart. And if you do not find that you love God and if you do not find that it causes you joy in knowing him may that drive you into knowing Christ Jesus drive you into your relationship with him and from knowing him oh he'll change all of that along with how you feel so don't feel less 
and think that's maturity. Feel more deeply, but feel more truly. This is what God does for us. And this, my friends, is why I believe God was wooing you this morning. He wants you to know him. Not know about him, to know him. This is the God who is the king who came humbly to you. And that God says, let all the earth praise me. And if you don't feel it, that's okay. Drive into Christ Jesus. And you will. And it'll be real. And it'll be deep. Because we feel truly, deeply. Would you stand with me today? I believe how we read the word love in Scripture changes how we read all of Scripture. And if we see it only as an action and only as a decision, then you miss the miraculous working that God does inside of our hearts. Yes, it's a decision, but it comes from what God has done inside of us because he calls you and he woos you this morning. Love God, he says, with all of your heart. That's not just an action. That is emotion. And if you do not, then hear him calling to you this morning, I love you. My son died for you. I'm wooing you this morning. Respond with joy. Respond with gladness. Respond with love. I want us to end just with a response of love. That song we did earlier, Build My Life, is an appropriate song. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And this morning, I just encourage you, feel it deeply this morning. Feel it here this morning. Feel it. Don't be afraid of that. Feel love for him this morning. And if not, there's a gauge on your heart that is speaking to you right now. And allow him to woo you in that through knowing Christ Jesus. Let's respond.